0: Mike
1: Check, it's Mike Check, the podcast that Mike <coughs> <laughs> and we're clear. Oh my God, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Mike Check, the only freaking podcast that has ever truly existed. And yes, this podcast, once upon a time, did freaking exist, undoubtedly. And it's the only podcast that ever did exist that dares to discuss the works of Mike Myers to figure out if they are, in fact, shagadelic, horny, and cool. It's my check, baby. We're checking in on the works of Mike Myers. I'm a little rusty on how we begin this show. It's been a couple of years. But my name (laughs) is Alexi (laughs) Toliopoulos. I'm a leading Shrek expert in the field of Mike Myers. Mm -hmm. And joining me, as always, is... One of the greatest minds when it comes to analysing the comedic stylings, mm. the authored works mm-hmm. of Mike Myers, and the sleeve length of yep. Mike Myers' shirts mm-hmm. and jackets. It's mm-hmm. Cameron frickin' James.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's actually Dr. Cameron James. Doctor, I got a PhD. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty huge dick I've Pretty heard. hard dingus. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yes, I am an expert in Mike Myers. I did my thesis. It's called Mike Myers, (laughs) colon, funny, sexy, cool. Yeah, and what was the answer in your thesis? The answer was D, all of the above. And yes, the D stands for dick or dingus. Yeah. And that dingus is pretty freaking hard, okay, babe? Yeah, we had a good time on Mike Check back in the day. We talked through all of the feature films, all of the Saturday Night Live sketches, mm-hmm. all of the live appearances of the one and the only Mike Myers. And we—we uh, we, it was exhaustive, I would say, and exhausting,
1: yes. Yes, it was one of the most exhausting projects that we've ever
0: worked on together, dare Mm -hmm. I say, even apart from each other. And when we started the podcast, we had one goal in mind, which was we needed to see Mike Myers back on our screens because Mm -hmm. it had been a hot minute between projects for Mike. The Love Guru had come out. There'd been a few Shrek sequels, mm-hmm. um, but we hadn't ever seen a true Mike Myers project. Now, That's during the it. during the course of Mike Check, mm-hmm. we got our wish because Mike Myers returned to television for the yeah. short-lived The Gong Show, which was produced by Will Arnett. And I would say, Alexi, that reviewing all the episodes of The Gong Show, which we did on an illegal Russian streaming website, mm-hmm. was the tipping point. For yeah. us,
1: it did feel like we had made our wish for Mike Myers to return to our screens mm-hmm. on a cursed monkey's paw. Mm-hmm. Because we. Touch my ones. monkey! <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, it's a catchphrase of several of Mike Myers' <laughs> characters. <laughs> We had desperately wanted to see Mike return as not just a face on our screens, but the soul, the mm. altered vision of mm-hmm. Mike Myers to return to our screens. We were demanding Mike projects, Mike led, Mike seen, Mike's vision. And instead, we got a kind of live action variety show featuring Mike. Presumably Mike Myers. It wasn't Mm. revealed until season two if it was actually Mike Myers (laughs) as veteran UK comedian Tommy Tommy Maitland.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, we did not like that show. It was hard to watch for us because we were watching one of our heroes be suffocated not only by prosthetics, Mm -hmm. but by the constraints of a format that he was not in charge of. Mm -hmm. It made us sad. And we, tragically, we did abandon the Mike Czech Republic, our home nation. Yes. We left it. We, we couldn't handle it anymore. We, and there were things we didn't even really review, you know? Like, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. And I've just, never seen it. And you've never seen it because I thought I'll watch it in advance of us having to eventually talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, we did leave the nation behind and we never, we never even talked about that one scene in Bo And I will, of
1: course, we did do a Mission of Mercy back during the early days of the world-famous coronavirus. Mm. One of the most exciting trends to go around the world in recent times. Mm. We did a Mission of Mercy back to the Czech Republic to check in on everybody to see how they were going. Turns out, not so shagadelic, baby. But we did return to review Terminal, a movie where Mike Myers plays a janitor with quite the secret... And it's a wonderful performance from Mike, but it is not what we demanded. We were seeing Mike Myers pop up occasionally and very, very occasionally as a character actor. But what we wanted was an authored project from the
0: mind of Mike Myers. And then in the year of 2019, a rumor Mm -hmm. began to whisper and whirl around the world and it it reached our little ears and that rumour was that Netflix had commissioned a series to be written by Mike Myers, starring Mm -hmm. Mike Myers playing multiple characters. And it
1: was, of course, something that we dug into when the first little hints of it were coming out. It was originally an untitled Mike Myers project we found out about it. There were some cast members attached at points where we would be investigating... But there was a point in time where I clicked on the Netflix tile, which I often would, because it would be popping up every now and then, Untitled Mike Myers Project, because I would often type his name into the search bar. Yeah. And then one day- You're a day, fan of the guy. Uh, it's undoubted to say, I'm actually a super fan. It's I'm a on Stan. on the record.
0: I'm a super mensch, and I'm a super fan. Yeah. And I'm a mensch, fan of course, super
1: documentary mensch. directed by Mike Myers. Yeah, yeah. And only a guy with a pretty huge thingus in the works of Mike Myers would know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it will come up as we talk about the project we're going to eventually talk about today. <laughs> so
0: you see Untitled Mike Myers Project on Netflix. You click on the tile, Alexi, and then what happens? the link. The
1: title it stopped being untitled. It mm. was called The Pentaveret. There was a very, very loose plot description there, but it was enough for me to do my own investigation work and remember... ...that the pentavert was mentioned in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah. yeah. And this seemed to be truly something that had perhaps been floating in the ether of Mike's beautiful mind for 30 plus years. And I mm-hmm. knew that if this project were to come to fruition, it would be a Mike Myers joint in the spikely sense of the word...
0: Cameron, Mm -hmm. in those
1: few years, talk us through the emotions that you felt when it seemed like this project would never happen.
0: Well, I mean, obviously you and I were beyond excited when we first heard about this. We were getting ready to talk about it. We were doing our own research into what it could possibly be online. Mm -hmm. We were trying to find a way to contact Mike so that we could interview him about it. But then we were struck by some very strange news. A dear friend of ours... A uh, a comedian from the sketch group Auntie Donna was working on a project at Netflix in America, and he told us, and this is Broden, I believe, he told mm-hmm. us that the pentavert had. Oh, well, don't use through. his name.
1: Just say that it is someone that is perhaps in the sketch group known as Auntie Donna.
0: We won't we say, which say who. One. We'll say it's not Mark Bonano and it's not Zach Ruane. We'll and say it,
1: that. that is, it might be Broden, but don't say if it was Broden.
0: Okay, it could possibly be Broden from Auntie Donna, or it could possibly be one of the other guys. That it definitely wasn't from Mm -hmm. Auntie Donna. We heard from an unnamed source from Auntie Donna that's not (laughs) Mark or (laughs) Zach that that the pentaveret was no longer going ahead. The rumor that we heard was that Mike had written the scripts and then he'd. Pulled the plug at the last minute before production had started, and this is something that Mike had done before. He'd done this yes. on a Sprocket's film. He'd mm-hmm. uh, he'd written the screenplay and pulled the plug on that. He'd done it on various other projects. There was a fourth Mike Myers film. Yes, a lot of a lot of times. I mean, has, a, f-
1: a fourth um, Austin Powers. Film. Sorry, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Yeah, because there's a few Mike and, Myers films, and it's even more there's Michael Myers films at this point.
0: Yeah, there is. <laughs> Tragically. <laughs> We heard it was no longer going ahead And we gave up Until yeah. I would say About Six months ago mm. When the word we're- Finally came through From official marketing materials That mm-hmm. the pentavert Was coming out The cast was announced The mm-hmm. promo photos were released And we had a release date And Alexi I was nervous by this point I'm not going to lie to you
1: And I will never lie to you, Cameron. I would say I also felt nervous because I knew that this was a point in time where the Czech Republic would be, I would guess, would say would be eating for the first time in many years. They have had a steady decline in their economy, our little our little, A lean decade, yeah. Very, very lean decade. We've had nothing but scraps to live on here. But this would be the first time where we would be in the red, truly.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: The budget would be soaring.
0: We immediately booked our tickets back to the Monk Czech Republic. And Mm -hmm. uh, we have been living here kind of in secret for the past little while, preparing to talk about this project, ingesting it, devouring it, nourishing it. Um digesting it, shitting it out yes. into a turlet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the turlet is full of some beautiful chunks that were devoured and processed while yeah. watching the Pentavorite. And now you and I are sitting down in the studio mm-hmm. here, Mike Check Republic, in our old city. Yes. We've dusted off the microphones. We've donned
1: our classic spy who shagged me vintage crew member hats. Cam is, of course, wearing the yellow with pink embroidery. Um, I'm wearing a pink with yellow embroidery.
0: The yin and the yang. And we're here to talk about it. The shag and the delic. I'm, I'm still... I'm still... I'm unsure because you and I haven't even privately talked about it yet. We've. I got
1: early access to it. This is full disclosure. I have done some work via contract for Netflix, Australia, and New Zealand. I had some early access to the show, and even I, for my job, was meant to do some shit around it, and I couldn't bring myself to watch it because I was so nervous. And to know that I'll be one of the first brains in the world to be watching it was a mighty high responsibility for me. And I I took it very slowly. I would watch two episodes at a time, almost a week apart. And then... I watched just one episode. Took several days before getting to the finale. Because this had been a long time coming. Do I need to go through the history of my 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 passion with this show? My excitement for this show? My nerves of this show? No. I did it in the last four minutes of this podcast. I've dragged on and on
0: and on. Yeah. But you don't need to go over it again. But just for that- the people that might have skipped forward mm-hmm. um, to this point, um, brief summation, I, you know, you... You, you okay, would... I'll give a brief
1: summation. I heard about the show. Yep. I was excited about the show. Uh-huh. It seemed like the show weren't going to happen. Yep. I got sad. It yep. affected my daily life for a point yep. in time when I thought this show was going to happen. I started worrying about Mike. I was worrying what's next. What's next for the freaking guy who yep. I idolize, cherish, adore, and aspire to be
0: one eighth of. Okay, we have 15 seconds left on this summation, so let's...
1: Oh, okay, I'll get to the point. This this show did come out. I had early access to the show. I watched it slowly, and I'm going to go on a record now and say something that I did not say yet.
0: Five... Four, I three, freaking
1: loved two. it! What? Oh my god! I love the bedavaret! Oh my god! I loved the bedavaret, oh I my loved the god. bedavaret bitch! I yes. loved it! I loved it! It was something I had dreamed of for so, so long and having the early access to it, I had a burden of keeping my thoughts private and that is something that I've not done with Mike Myers before. I'm here, usually running around the streets as one of the leaders of the Mike Jack Republic, screaming to the high heavens, and the heavens are high in the Mike Jack Republic. Yes, they smoke of the green over here. It is legal, baby. But it's legal. I, it's legal. Weed is legal in the Mike Jack Republic. Weed is legal and awesome. And it's really. Fucking great stuff over here. But I had to keep it secret. And, you know, it was a burden in my life. But also, there was some calmness in it. Because I think I had to take some time to privately digest my thoughts. And then I guess pop them in a toilet. Yeah. About how I felt, how I
0: felt Squeeze about- Squeeze them out one by one.
1: The pentamerate. But you- you uh-huh. when you got to it, you I offered you that early access. Netflix yep. itself, the the body, the entire body of Netflix offered you early access. And what did you do?
0: Yeah, when you you, <laughs> Ted Sarandos uh offered yeah. you and me uh, early access. Well, I got early access offer through you, but I said mm-hmm. tell Ted I want to wait till the official launch date because yeah. even though I have been a vocal supporter and historian when it comes to Mike, mm-hmm. I wanted to experience it with the rest of the world, because I... With the people of the Mike I Czech Republic. of the people. At the end of the day, I'm proletariat. I'm working class. I'm yeah. down here in the trenches.
1: <laughs> I'm, you're proletariat. I'm proletariat.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're proletariat. I love the And uh, I'm down here with the peeps, and I'm watching it live. And so... <laughs> Okay, oh, so, Saturday night style. Yeah, I'm going to tell... I'll tell everyone my experience from your end. Uh, not yep. your toilet end. The other end. <laughs> <laughs> from my end. Well, space the toilet. Yeah. So, you... Uh, you <laughs> told me that you had early access. You offered yep. it to me. I said no. You started watching on your own. I had I to. asked you. I, I asked to. you the next day. I didn't want spoilers. I said no mm-hmm. spoilers, but... How are you enjoying the Pentaveret? And you re- you replied very cryptically to me. You said mm. it looks great, and that yep. made me really really anxious because whenever wow. someone says a comedy looks good, my first thought is that's that ain't funny. This is this <laughs> oh is God! Stink. I thought just my good. dearest friend. And so I thought my immediately my high hopes were dashed. I thought I'm going to yep. be in trouble here. This is not going to be good. So Stacy style Actress the show came Stacey out, Dash Yeah the show came out Dash <laughs> Dashiell Hammett The show came out Famous author Yeah Author of detective <laughs> books Oh ho Dashiell Hammett
1: <laughs> Famous <laughs> author Writes noir novels Oh ho <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola Produced a movie Based on him Called Hammett Directed by Wim Benders Oh ho God, I
0: miss Robin, honestly. Just hearing you do that, I miss Robin so much. Uh, We start crying, thinking about Rob. So, it comes out on the day it's released. Normally, I would watch this, you know, at midday. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. refresh, refresh, refresh on Netflix. (laughs) I didn't. I just went out and enjoyed my day. I decided I'll watch it when I get to it. Halfway Mm -hmm. through the day, my dear friend Alex Lee... Messaged me and said, are you watching the Pentaverite yet? I said, no, not yet. And then she just replied, I love it. And I thought, oh, wow. my God, maybe it's good. I mm-hmm. rush home, sprinting. I'm sprinting. Wow. sprint at full pelt. <laughs> he's yeah. breaking a pace. He's breaking a sweat. He's dashing. Yeah, Stacy Stoll, famous actor, Stacy Dash. Dashiell Hammett, famous <laughs> author of detective novels. <laughs> I dash home, I sprint inside, I pop on the first episode, and Alexi, within mm-hmm. forty seconds, I knew that Mike was home and that I was home wow. and I fucking loved it. I loved every moment of it. I, I watched it all in one day. I just kept going. Yeah. I was like, I don't want this to end. Oh my But Lord. also I need to see what happens next in the story. I need you to see. Almost more OD'd. I you almost OD'd. You almost OD'd on Mike. <laughs> oh my God. I loved it. I thought it was so... It was so Mike. Yeah. It was so Mike. It
1: is so Mike. That's it. That is so Mike. And I'll tell you, I think it took me a couple of episodes to really get into the rhythm of this show. Because it is so ambitious. It is so Mike. And... I think I had so many pa- like t- okay this is personal I'm going to get freaking personal on the podcast right now Please, you know you can't we get just personal kind of-
0: here then where can you you know
1: Exactly that's exactly right Cameron this is my diary and it is a psycho book of babblings Yeah 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 <laughs> but I um there was a I think there's a lot of pressure on myself to find this project and how to view it and I would say was only exasperated by the daily messages the Mike Czech Republic would get from countless members of our proletariat out there, members of our council, members of our senate, members of every aspect of Mike Czech Republic life would be messaging us to one, let us know that this project existed. A lot of people were saying, Have you heard about it? And I would just have to. I had to ignore them. It would be too much. People asking us about our thoughts, people asking us when there would be a, a new transmission coming from the Mike Republic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found it a little overwhelming because I knew that I had a duty to my people to find this project, to find myself in it, and to find my love with it. And I am proud to say to the Mike Check Republic that I did find my love with it. And it was by understanding that this is Mike's first expression of self, first expression of Mike Myers' soul, his views in the world, his perspective in this world in the year, in the new decade of the 2020s. Mm. It was the first time Mike has expressed himself. At the at the most mic level that we understand, which is making comedy for the people, and it was mm. a new mic voice, and it was the old mic voice singing together in a new tune that I'd never heard before. And mm. I think it took me some time to really hear that song.
0: You know, I've always said you put a lot of pressure on yourself, Alexi. You you yes. you feel this this urge within you that you need to you need to connect with art on a deeper level and um Mm. i've always said you you need to honestly just smoke a big fat doobie and sit back and chill the f out because this is a piece of art yes but it's also a piece of entertainment and this Mm. entertainment is designed for you to just chill and enjoy the thrills and I found no trouble watching this film. Be- uh, this, I call it a film because, uh, to me, yes. it is... Every episode of it was cinematic. Yeah. And uh, yes. I, I, I will no longer call it a series mm-hmm. or episodes. I will call it a six-part film.
1: Yeah. I call it a group of six, sh- films. <laughs> six films. A group of six cinematic experiences that is six one story told over six parts.
0: Yeah. I call it a franchise or, um, yeah. a si- you know... Yeah, a French. It's a f- it's a feature film. F- franchise. It's officially a feature film
1: franchise to me, <laughs> and in the- and that's why I say Mike still hasn't returned to TV since SNL and the Gong Show.
0: Yeah, yeah, and to me, the Gong Show is also um, it's a, a series of films.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a series of plays for me. Yeah, it's, it's plays. a series of recorded it's- plays.
0: <laughs> it's theatre. Yeah. It's like when uh, when they used to record teleplays back in the day, like Marty and stuff mm. like that. Yes, um, of pa- course. Paddy Chayefsky the works plays. of Paddy Chayefsky. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. The works of Paddy Chayefsky, they we're so lucky they were recorded at one point because a lot of times they will just broadcast out into the ether.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, luckily, we we received these fi- six feature films, these six movies, and... Um, mm-hmm. I I enjoyed them from the beginning, and I'm I'm so grateful that we got them. Mm -hmm. I think you summed it up very beautifully when you said this is Mike's first expression in a long time. I also think that... uh, Very
1: nice of you to say that ramble that I had was a summation of something rather than trying to find a point along the way somewhere.
0: I think your point was very well made because it was within you all along. I mean, you Mm. said this is Mike's bearing of his soul quite literally i will say yes. and yes. Uh, very literally you know <laughs> no spoilers till we eventually start spoiling it but i think that this is a very it's a very it's a it's a mosaic of all the different sides of mike that mm. we've gotten to know over the last few years yeah. goofball comedy farts and dick jokes incredible sweetness mm-hmm. um cynicism towards the uh, authorities or mm-hmm. the government... Or the bureaucracy. the media, um, dad jokes... Yep. Edgy, juvenile humour, and all coming together in a message that really is one of love and positivity. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that got me through, was I just kept thinking, I can't believe how nice and sweet this is. This mm. is, you know... We're getting some pretty rude stuff in, in this freaking series of flicks, but we're, we're getting some real getting,
1: F and Jeff humor here. You get
0: a few Fs, a few Jeffs, uh, and even more, you know, later yeah. on in the episode.
1: Even but, a few cliffs, if you will.
0: Yeah, but later on, my God, you know, we get a real sweetness ringing through with this, and I loved mm. it.
1: Yeah, I really. I, think- I got you. You were going to say.
0: I was going to say, I think we need to start talking about it, and I think we probably need to start talking about Mike and his characters.
1: Yeah. Before we do that, I think it's time for us to take a quick little break to hear some words from our sponsors for the other shows on the Mike Check Republic transmission feed. You're probably sitting there wondering what you're listening to now. Well, the thing that you're listening to now is an ad, a commercial for a radio program called Carving It Up that discovers and dives deep into the works of Dana Carvey, famous comedian from shows such as the Dana Carvey Sketch Series and, of course, the SNL, which stands for Saturday Night Live a program that is broadcast live from New York City in the United States of America. My name is Alexei Toliopoulos. I am the host of this program, and I am here today with a very special guest. He is a comedian of some note here in the country of Australia. Please welcome to the program, Cameron James.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Alexei. It's good to see you. You look good. That's
1: very funny stuff from a great comedian. Uh, Cameron, you're a fan of Dana Carvey and you have brought something to my attention today. Could you share it with the listeners of this show as a tease to a full episode?
0: Absolutely. I just wanted to come on and say um, that I'm very excited by Dana Carvey's foray into the world of podcasting. He currently hosts a a weekly podcast with David Spade. Mm. They're both uh, former cast members on Live from New York. It's Saturday Night Live from New York in- on NBC. Does that show have any meaning for you? Did it inspire you as a young comedian? When I think of Saturday Night Live, I I think of show business. I think of lights, camera, action. I think of let's put on the grease paint. Let's get out and do the dance, you know? Um, and... Uh, and it's exciting because this series, podcast show is the two of them reminiscing on their days on Saturday Night Live and having guests on who were also either former cast members or writers or hosts. And um, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I believe that, uh, I mean, we'll be discussing it more at length on the full episode of this, but I think your listeners would really get uh, a kick out of it, uh, to use, you know, a sporting... Um, a sporting metaphor. Now, that, to me, that
1: is actually quite humorous because I often don't think of the world of comedy and mm. comedians. I do not think of them as, you know, athletic types, if you will. Sure, People sure. that are interested in, uh, well, perhaps to use some comedic parlance of my own, interested in stuff like sports ball, if you will, sure. and tournaments of sporting prowess such as the Olympics or even yeah. kind of cross-country marathons. Um, I do not think of comedians to be of the ilk that would enjoy that. So, I do I do quite like the juxtaposition of you, a uh, kind of sh- slubby comedian type, mm-hmm. bringing mm-hmm. sports reference into something like this. I do see the humour in that. I do find it quite funny, if when I'm I to I be think quite of, honest uh- with you.
0: Well, thank you. When I think of comedians and athletic stuff, I think the closest they get is uh, to sports is theatre sports. Now,
1: that's a type of improvisation, is that correct?
0: Yeah, and and also what I just did then was a type of improvisation as well, yeah, by saying that in the moment. Sorry, what
1: were you saying? I couldn't quite understand you. It was almost if there was a stumbling in your transmission or something there.
0: Oh, uh, that's I actually stumbled. That was not the transmission. That was uh, I stumbled over the word uh, improvisation. So thanks for bringing mm. bringing attention to it. But uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. The, the podcast is called Fly on the Wall with David Spade and Dana Carvey, and uh, it's really really interesting stuff and really funny and really 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 interesting stuff. It sounds like it's quite fascinating, and
1: I would it's something that I would personally describe as interesting as well, just as you have, and it's only just caught my attention. The title of this show is not just something as mundane as the talk show of Dana Carvey and mm. David Spade, both former cast members of a program called Saturday Night Live that is a live transmission broadcast from New York City. It is actually titled, Fly on the Wall. Yeah. And that's a saying that I'm familiar with from, I believe, the English language where mm. it's a it's described as... It's a kind of a description of what one would see uh, if one were to be a fly mm-hmm. and to to be able to pick any wall mm-hmm. in the world that they could and sit in upon any wall in history a- any wall in history as well and especially for a fly whose life cycle is but a mere day sure it's a saying that is about the walls that flies sit on mm-hmm. and to conjure up in the imagination of the conversations that were to go on yeah. and a lot of people ...have that idea... ...that visual thought in their heads... ...where they go... ...if I were to be that fly... ...I would choose... ...to be on a wall... ...in the same room... ...as cast members of legendary... ...comedy shows... ...to hear what they would talk about... Yeah. ...and do you feel... ...these conversations... ...that this kind of... ...title brings to mind... Do you feel that is indicative of what the show is about?
0: Uh, uh, that's a great question and really well considered and really well phrased. Very <laughs> succinct. <laughs> <laughs> and just really overall a very interesting question and, and ex- mm. Great work from you. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and I- I'd like to answer it um, in the form of a joke. Mm. Um. To use the parlance of comedy, Um, a a man is sitting in a restaurant. He orders a bowl of soup. He notices there's a fly in the soup. He calls the waiter over. Okay. He says, excuse me, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. And the waiter says, be quiet, sir, or everyone will want one.
1: (laughs) That's very, very, very humorous, Cameron. I can't wait for our listeners to hear more of that joke. Uh, When they tune into the Carving It Up, the Dana Carvey podcast on the Mike Check Republic podcast network. Presumably that joke would continue to feature perhaps one of Dana Carvey's most enduring characters that I believe he collaborated with with David Spade on where they would play two... English second language speaking waiters that would be cracking fresh pepper onto mm. the plates of diners,
0: and uh, and uh, fresher pepper would uh, be cracked onto a fly in a soup. And uh, don't don't tell don't tell anyone about it because then everyone will want one.
1: <laughs> I believe that could be an extension of the joke, and I do think that would be something our listeners of this show would find quite humorous if they were to tune into our podcast as it comes out every six years. So stay tuned for the next episode coming shortly. Okay, so we are back from the break and Cameron, I believe we're about to just discuss uh uh-huh. a little show. That is on Netflix. And I'm sorry to use the colloquialism show after we just established that it is actually a series of films uh-huh. expressing the soul and the earnest appeal of Mr. Mike Myers. We're talking about the freaking Pentaveret, baby. What is the Pentaveret?
0: The pentavrit, uh is... I'll, I'll read the premise directly from Wikipedia. It's on en.wikipedia.org wow, wow, wow. slash wiki slash the underscore Premise... Since the Black Plague in 1347, five men have been working to influence world events for the greater good. One unlikely Canadian journalist finds himself in the middle of a mission to expose the truth, and in the process, save the world. This is a series of films about, essentially, an Illuminati, like a a, a cult or a sort of... Um, malevolent force that sits above world, uh, above all of us and kind of shapes our futures and our destinies however, as the premise of this show makes very plain in the opening narration by Jeremy Irons, what if the Illuminati were actually nice people that's the Mm, premise of this show
1: trying to do genuine good in the world that is not self-serving in a way
0: yeah we are very lucky in this film because there's five members of the Pentavrit. Um, Four of them are played by Mike Myers. But Mike all does not just play once. five of them at some time, some point. But Mike doesn't just play these members. He also plays other characters throughout the film, including the yes. Canadian journalist and mm-hmm. some other fucks along the way. I want to talk <laughs> about all of these characters. Let's do. Let's mm. start there.
1: I think that's the best place to start because this is something that we've wanted for so long. we to have a premiere of new characters, comedic-minded, comedic-structured, comedic-voiced characters by Mike Myers, the king of the freaking catchphrase. And we had hints of them back in the past, like when he would host the MTV Movie Awards, he would premiere some characters, he would pop up doing some impersonations of uh, insane doctors and stuff during presidential elections on various talk shows. But it had been a freaking minute since we saw, like, properly, fully-fleshed, prosthesitized characters from Mike Myers. And all of the characters in this show are heavily prosthetized.
0: Yeah, they don't... I mean they all look like Mike Myers, but yeah. they are they're under layers of makeup. And I think it's actually full credit to the makeup team because I think it's some of the best prosthetic work I've seen. He never yeah. lo- you never lose Mike in the characters. You see him there, but they look different enough to each other that you can buy them all having conversations with each other.
1: And I think that's important because we kind of we kind of think about Mike as a guy who can kind of escape behind those characters. Like, if you watch Austin Powers' gold oh, member, yes, if you I've were to it. watch that, you I've have seen, seen it. it? I, know. Yeah. I know. I was mainly speaking to the audience right now. Oh, I'm so sorry.
0: Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm all and fucked I'm up. To- I'm, I'm really high at the moment. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got that primo <laughs> shit here in the White J. Republic. we
0: got that sticky, but- icky, icky over here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's
0: freaking tasty, dude. We eat raw here, dude. Yeah, we eat it raw. We <laughs> eat it like kale. We have it in fucking breakfast bowls and shit. Yeah, dude. I put it freaking on my goji berries, brother. Goji. And yeah, uh,
1: excuse me, that's a euphemism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I put it on my dingle berries, dude. <laughs> oh, good lord. That's pieces of <laughs> shit dated to your ass. <laughs>
1: You know, you shouldn't be doing that, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm wasted. But one thing about Mike, like, especially in Austin Powers in Goldmember, the movie, is Mm. he plays several characters. And I feel like Mike really disappears in those characters where Mike Myers looks kind of like Austin Powers. Sure. And, but he doesn't look like Dr. Evil. He looks nothing like Fat Bastard. And yeah. he looks nothing like Goldmember. They look like different people. I think it's been a wise decision with this Pentaveret to bring Mike back, to bring back him doing multiple characters, but to not hide his face and to kind of keep his face uh, to be to for all the characters to look like Myers look like Mike Myers and for you to be able to see like Myers in there because I think comedy has changed where it has fully embraced different totems of improvisation and improvisational characterization, which is that kind of, like, hat on, hat off, where you can kind of lose the character at points. So I think it was a really wise decision to, like, make Mike Myers visible in these characters.
0: I agree. And I also think if you were to be very, very generous, um, you could say that there's some meaning to be found in the fact that he kind of looks Mm -hmm. the same as all of them. I think it's maybe it's a uh, deliberate or maybe it's us being uh, in like kind of very clever cinematically minded people. But I read into that as these are all white men that look the same, that run mm-hmm. the world um, and we need to shake it up and there needs to be new blood and new like diversity within that yes. group of people. Well, I think, I think that I I think that's, all kind of a, that's kind of a message within it, I would say. Right. But, but I think mm. it's, de- I would say it's deliberate, That they don't look crazily dissimilar
1: to each other. Should we go through these Mike characters one by one? Yes, please. Let's begin with Ken Scarborough, a Canadian news journalist who sets out to expose the pentavirate and win his job back. This is kind of the de facto protagonist of the series.
0: Yeah. I love the word de facto.
1: Me too. Of course, I am in a de facto relationship. Yeah. And how is your de facto? My de facto is Primo. Primo de facto. That's nice.
0: I don't have a de facto (laughs) anymore. Tragically, I do have a spouse.
1: Tragically, Cameron did make his union legal.
0: Yes. So, we have a spouse problem in my house and uh, I've had to lay (laughs) spouse spouse traps. (laughs) You've got some spouse louse, I've heard yeah 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 so but I long for the days of having a de facto again my mm. word it's exciting and very sexual and yes good to grief. live
1: in sin is one of the most mm. sensational feelings one can yeah. hold within themselves yes.
0: but speaking and of living I- in sin I would say this character Ken Scarborough does not live in sin Ken Scarborough is a beacon of purity and innocence mm-hmm. and goodness within the world
1: yes. And I love
0: love this this character.
1: (laughs) I love this character so much. I think this is one of my favourite Mike Wise characters now.
0: Yeah, me too. I I mean, I love Canadian humour. I think Mm -hmm. Mike does it so well. Um, That whole, like, the idea of being overly polite and overly Mm. nice. And I just, I always enjoy that type of joke. Mike does it so well because it's loving. It's coming from, like, his genuine love for his mother country. Um, Orphasia country. And yes. um yes, and this yes, character yes. is so kind of cute. Humor. This character is a sweetie, he's cute, mm-hmm. he's funny. I
1: friggin' loved him. He's kind of like a slightly hackneyed journalist that reports on the good, uh not so heavy news. Yeah, like um, the lighter
0: side of news at the end of a broadcast sort of thing. Local news he's a
1: He's a veteran, he's old, he's been around the block a few times, and I think that one thing I really liked about this was, I guess this is kind of like playing off Mike's book from a few years ago, Canada, by Mike Myers. I think this is him really expressing, in a big way, his Canadianness Because mm. he has... We've only ever known him from his Saturday Night Live days and then onwards, where his humor has had to become not Americanized, but to play to an American broad perspective. So even characters like Wayne Campbell, who begins as like a Canadian metalhead and a Canadian music fan, then has to become a guy from Ohio. Oh, a guy from Illinois. Sorry, Illinois. Thank you. Illinois. Illinois. So sorry.
0: Wow. Jesus Christ. From, that was crazy that you just said Aurora, that. I Aurora, mean, Illinois. Aurora, Illinois is where he's from. I mean... I know that. Are you all right? What's going on? I don't fucking know. I think something weird's happened to me. Oh, my God. I think I'm having a
1: stroke. A stroke? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't... Hey, let me have a look. Oh, my God. Alexi is having a is stroke. That me- <laughs> Oh, behave He's me. choking off right now. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness gracious.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got oh a little God. distracted,
0: Cameron, if you will. Oh yeah, wow. Well, geez, Louise, he's got a handful down there. Mrs. Yeah, two Palmer by and her five daughters. Good grief. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think that's, like, truly him, like, expressing kind of some kind of yearning for his home country. I
0: th- yeah. I think it's beautiful. Me too. I love Ken Scarborough. I'm so glad that's the lead character. It's a real sweetheart you get to follow on this journey. Uh, and this character- would be also...
1: Oh, let me say this here. And I think also with the Ken Scarborough being, like, this representation of Canada... This brings me to my first favorite part of the show where I really zoned in on it. Cuz you know what I said to you, this is a good-looking show was the first yeah. thing I had in mind because I was so impressed by the visual aesthetic of this show. And the first inkling I had of that beyond like seeing the glory of the pantavra and the Kubrickian nature of like the cinematography and production design there was when we enter Canada and it is in standard definition and it mm-hmm. is kind of like that VHS type quality filter on everything mm-hmm. and that is used as a visual tome to say that Canada's just a little bit fuzzier a little bit behind the United States i found that to be just a really delightful gag and to for it to become as full style that was my first inkling that we were onto something great
0: yeah, me too. That's a great, a great gag. Um, I loved it. I, I fell in love with it earlier than you. I, I fell in love with it pretty much seconds into it starting, but that moment definitely was a, a highlight of the first episode, and I knew I was in safe hands. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Beautiful. Safe let's hands o- of Mike Myers. Let's move the down the list hands of characters. Of just a bit of sleeve. Dangling over the tip of that wrist.
0: The next character is uh, Anthony Lansdowne, who is, according to this description, a New England conspiracy theorist who is determined to expose the Pentavirot. This guy is... I mean, this one's probably the one that stood out to me the least, but he's Mm. actually... He features quite heavily in the show, and he has a lot of scenes with Ken Scarborough. Um... I do like the idea of conspiracy theorists and a guy who's kind of like a nut and will believe every conspiracy, but he just happens to have cottoned onto the one that's true. Um, mm. th- the idea of the Pentaverate, which sounds the craziest, but is actually like the, o- the, the only true one or whatever. I like this character. I think he, he gets the least comedy to do, but he serves a good narrational purpose, I would say. And I think there is something to it,
1: especially as this show builds on, that Mike Myers has a lot of sympathy for people that get sucked into conspiracy theories. Yes. And I think yes. that is something that's kind of key to this character is that Mike understands that he's the media that has manipulated these people rather than these people are nasty people.
0: Yep. Yep. And that's a really great bit of... um. Like, empathy that Mike has that rings through this show. It's never judgmental of conspiracy nuts. Um, It's just like, hey, look, we're all a little nutty now and then. But the main baddies are those goddamn Murdochs. And the
1: thing that is the most nutty of all is this cup of coffee that I'm drinking from right now.
0: Oh, Alexi, don't... Oh, no, that's actually my stool. Well, it does taste a little bit nutty. Oh yeah, yeah. And I would say
1: that one thing that I found quite refreshing about this show was that I genuinely do think Mike Myers put a lot of thought, emotion, and care into like the research of what these conspiracy theorists and like all of the kind of political aspect of this show, I feel like it's not from a place of ignorance at all. I really think it is Mike doing a lot of thought and research in finding a place that probably wasn't necessary for a show like this. But I think it works because he did put so much thought and research into finding the 21st century political ideals and what is going on politically in the world into this really goofy, crazy, silly, stupid comedy
0: show. Agree, hundred percent. And there's um I mean there's some really broad strokes that are swung. For example, the next character, Rex Smith, who's kind of an Alex Jones type. He's, um I guess he, he sort of sits somewhere between Alex Jones or like a parody of Joe Rogan or something. He's mm. a he's a far right um, radio or podcast host or something. He appears very briefly throughout the show, but his sole purpose is to be the broad caricature of what we understand one of these kind of um right wing nut jobs to be. Um, funny. I like him. I think he's very funny. Mm. I, I like. Yeah. I think it's it, tiny doses, and that's all we need of this type of character. I think
1: so because it's the one that's like the most broadly comedic that we've seen so much of before, whereas the rest is some kind of more thought or depth or originality to them. The next character we've got is Lord Lordington, who is the Pentavrit's oldest and highest ranking member who sits at the head of the dais of Centralis, And he is almost like a David Attenborough-esque character I would describe him as. He looks like David Attenborough. He kind of sounds like David Attenborough. But then the wise decision from Mike is then there's no you know, cliche, David Attenborough-style narration humor or anything about him. He just has, like, the kindness of that man but has just authoritative figure to him. And then I would say for the rest of it, he's almost the dramatic character of this show.
0: Yeah, pretty much. He doesn't really get many jokes. He's just sort of, like, the heart at the center of this idea of the pentagram. He's, like, a pretty nice guy who... No, who realizes, I guess, or knows that he needs to be surrounded by different voices and different, you know, opinions and diversity and everything like that. He's fine. Mm. He's a he's a he's relatively nice. Mm. I like Lord Lordington, but again, not one of the funniest characters. The next one, however, Bruce Baldwin. Now, I honestly felt starstruck by this mm. performance because. This is, to my mind, the first time I've ever seen Mike Myers play an Australian character. Mm -hmm. First time I've ever even heard him attempt an Australian accent. And the character of Bruce Baldwin is an Aussie. He is fair dinkum. He's dinky die. He's a media Mm -hmm. mogul. He's clearly based on the Murdochs. Yes. And I was amazed at how much of a big character this Australian would be to this mm. series. I love
1: Mike's physicality as this guy, where he kind of has his head cocked forward with his chin, like, tucked all the way back up into his neck, almost as if he's, like, suppressing a burp all the time. Yeah. I found that really... I was something about it that was like, oh, that's a weirdly, uniquely Australian observation he's made. That's like an Australian physicality that's very, like... Brian Brown, or yep. uh, even like uh, Bob Hawkian of just like, oh okay, this is like a beer-swilling Australian guy, and he's always got his head cocked. Even kind of um, what's his name, Sir Les Patterson?
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He reminded me a lot of Brian Brown for some reason. I don't mm. know why. I guess it's just the cocky alpha male energy. Um, I fucking love. I loved this character and this guy. I mean, we can sp- we can. Possibly spoil things here a mm-hmm. little bit. This character is actually quite sinister. This he's uh, devious. He's devious. He's he's perhaps the villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, he has sort of infiltrated this nice pentaveret and is trying to use it for nefarious ends. I loved him. I think he was like a Doctor Evil type. You know, like a, just a a purely villainous role i like seeing mike mm. play villain characters mike is so good at playing like
1: stupidity of evil yeah. just like the playing by the tropes playing by the evilness of them and really amping it up and i think it's i have so much
0: delight seeing him play bruce baldwin like this you know, i got one of the, my biggest laughs from this series and it's so fucking dumb but mm. uh I mean, you know this, but the first time I ever heard the phrase for shits and giggles, that mm. came from Austin Powers. Yeah. I'm sure that phrase existed, but the first time I ever heard it was Austin Powers saying for shits and giggles, baby. Um, yeah. And I've it's been in my vernacular ever since. It's entered... To me, it's entered, like, mainstream language. Mm. It's People public s- domain language. It's public domain. People say it regularly. Bruce Baldwin does a spin on the phrase for shits and giggles which really fucking cracked me up Mm. at one point someone asks him why he did his evil nefarious plan and he says isn't it obvious for shizzies and giggies and i (laughs) lost it i was like that's the dumbest fucking thing i've ever heard for shizzies Mm. and gizzies Holy shit, that's stupid. But fuck, I loved it. I just, like, lost it. Like, God, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard.
1: There was another joke around this point as well for me that really landed hard. Because it's, like, a very silly Mike Myers kind of... Not even wordplay, but a Mike myers in kind of psych gag where uh, these characters are all on a private jet being flown somewhere... And Bruce Baldwin poisons one of the other characters or two of the other characters and they drink up like a glass of champagne and that at the bottom it has printed on the glass, you've been poisoned. And then the next person has, so have you. And yeah, I just that lost me. it. That I thought that me. was just uh, <laughs> such an, uh, to me, it was not an expected gag, but it feels so much in the arsenal of Mike Myers.
0: Yeah, it's that real, like, what I love about Mike, and I can't believe I'm still having to define what I love about Mike mm. all these years later, but... It's the combination of, like, really British physical humour like that. Like, a sight gag Mm -hmm. like that feels like it would be in the goodies or Monty Python or something. Um, Combined with, like, pure American filth. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it. I love that joke. Um, And I love that character. Love that character. Let's move on to the next character now. Mishu Ivanov, an ex-Russian oligarch who is a member of the Pentaveret. This is the least um, n- possibly nuanced character <laughs> on the... I mean, he barely gets any screen time, really. He mm-hmm. sort of exists to be like a visual punchline or a verbal punchline. The main gag of the character is that he has a thick Russian accent and people often misunderstand things he's trying to say. For example, he, he's trying to say, you can't, but it sounds like he's saying, you can't. and um and everyone's like excuse me and he's Mm. like what you can't and they go you can't say that and he's like you can't what what's wrong you can't what's wrong with cunt (laughs) that type of joke over and over again which i have no problem with i think that's not at all that's a bit bit of of delight
1: for me i was a a great uh, piece by mike myers in promotion for the Penthaverith, where he was like kind of asked questions by Netflix director camera, and he uh, talked about how he finds his characters and how he finds a characterization. And with this character in particular, he was just like, sometimes it doesn't come to you until you're in the costume. And I didn't have anything for this character until I was fully dressed like this and saw my face in the mirror as uh, Ivanov. And he was that's where he found the voice, that's where I found everything for that character. It's so funny.
0: Yeah, well, I guess if you got a, a pretty minor character like this, you can just go, yeah, I'll see what happens. I'll do it on the oh
1: I'll day. wing this one. The rest I'm going to put all my effort into. This is the one I'll wing.
0: I got a great moment, uh, a great Mishu moment, mm-hmm. which should be a new segment on this show. Favorite yeah, Michu we got a
1: Mishu moment. We got our favorite Mishu moments here.
0: Mich- my favorite Mishu moment was uh, the introduction of the character, the maester of Dubrovnik, who is played by the sensational genius Mm -hmm. Jennifer Saunders. Yes, 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 yes. Who we need to pause for a moment just quickly before I explain Mm -hmm. my Mishu moment and say that Jennifer Saunders is uh, like a superstar of sketch comedy, a superstar Mm -hmm. of British comedy, a genuine bonafide genius when it comes to character comedy shit. To see her with Mike, amazing. Yeah,
1: and I would say the only person who is equivalent in the world as far as catchphrase comedy goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Where, like Mike Myers, she has catchphrases, but the way she deploys them are so deeply in character, it just sounds like part of the lexicon of that character. And it feels quite real in the world of her work. I'm, of course, thinking about, like, Adina from Absolutely Fabulous. I think that... I think Jennifer Saunders is one of the few people that I would put in the same ballpark as Mike Myers, and I was so excited to see them actually collaborate together on screen, not just her playing the fairy godmother in Shrek 2 and Shrek 3, but to actually be on the screen with Mike Myers was probably the thing I was most excited about for in the Pentavirates.
0: Me too, and that brings me directly to my favourite Mishu moment, which was the moment that Mishu and the Meister of Dubrovnik share the screen for the first time and they're so excited to see each other and they have this long, extended, passionate kiss Mm -hmm. where they just, like, peck each other's lips over and over again and keep kissing each other on the cheek and then making Mm -hmm. their way back to each other's lips. And it's like, Everyone, it keeps cutting to reaction shots of the rest of the day Just kind of either looking disgusted Or aroused Or just confused by how long it's going on for I love that moment And I have a question for you In regards to that Mishu moment Do you think That this is the moment That Mike expresses his horniness Do you think that Mike is horny In this moment? I think
1: in this moment, Mike is horny, but yeah. I do not think that is the moment that Mike expresses his horniness.
0: Okay, okay, interesting.
1: Because I may even declare it earlier than I normally would on this podcast, but my micest touch, mm. my favorite gag of the entire series of the Pentaveret involves horniness.
0: Okay, okay.
1: It is in the final episode oh, where we yes. are reaching the climax of this entire series of films the equivalent of about half an hour each uh, so we're in about five and a half hours of this film Bella Tarstall this is not unlike Satan Tango a six hour movie but we are in like this Illuminati-esque type World where all the powers of the world come together for a meeting, basically. We're talking about the queens. We're talking about the kings. We're talking about the princes. We're talking about dictators and all that stuff. And there is an orgy to be had there as well. And there has to be a moment where Ken Scarborough enters the realm of the orgy, and we are reintroduced to a classic Myers gag, the hiding of the genitals behind
0: censorship. Ken Scarborough uh, has to derove and be nude in order to enter the orgy room to get all the information that he needs for this uh, for his journalistic mission and mm-hmm. we've seen Mike do nudity gags before in uh, most famously in Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me where he mm-hmm. dances naked through a hotel lobby upon uh, finding out that his wife has been deceased mm-hmm and he is now single again. And, uh, he does
1: say in the start of it, hang on a tick, that means I'm single again. Yeah. And he starts dancing naked everywhere.
0: And the big gag, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is that his penis is always covered by something, a prop or a uh, piece of text on screen. Mm-hmm. This final episode, f- sorry, final film in the Pentavert series recreates that gag, but... Alexi, would you like to say what happens?
1: For a new generation, it plays with the idea of actually seeing dicks, balls, and
0: various male genitalia. Yes. You see a lot of dicks. Because the gag in this sequence is that Netflix agreed to run the scene only if they could censor all the dicks in the scene. Mm -hmm. But the censor... Technology There's an
1: algorithmic sensor uh, <laughs> AI that is to kind of automatically cover the penises,
0: yeah. And it is glitching and not working. So often, the censorship thing the bar disappears, and you just are staring at a dick for ages while it dances and <laughs> <laughs> flops around. And then, other in front things
1: in the room will be detected as penises and censor those, revealing dicks
0: elsewhere. Yeah, it's really funny. I fucking love that gag. And I I love it because uh, you see... I mean, it's a prosthetic, (laughs) presumably. Presumably, it's a prosthetic dick, but you see Mike's dick a lot through this (laughs) sequence.
1: (laughs) I I dare say that you see Ken Scarborough's dick. I think Mike's dick is still a mystery out there, but you see the character Ken Scarborough's dick,
0: which I uh, believe would be prosthetics
1: placed directly on top of Mike's dick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I he... Uh, Ken Scarborough's dick is described as a button on a bush. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite part of the whole series when they say that. <laughs> I thought that was fucking awesome. I just couldn't believe they went there. I mean, well, he yeah. went there, you know. I just thought, wow, what a wonderful escalation of premise over the last 20 years. hmm And it
1: was that, to me, I did quite enjoy all the Netflix gags, like the gags of like, I think that they would have been better deployed if this show came out like four or five years ago. But I think, you know, there's some kind of the novelty of Netflix is gone, but I think Mm. it works so well, the idea of Mike playing with those ideas of, oh, Netflix only agreed to this. And it's played really well in an early episode as well where there's a pool table uh, tournament thing. I
0: don't even know how to
1: describe it, but there's a pool hustle scene, basically. Yeah. And then they re-edit it to seem like instead of them fighting each other and being angry, it's them almost pornographically fucking each other.
0: Yeah, I I liked all that stuff. I think it's a fun... It's very Mike, you know... The Austin Powers films make fun of Starbucks a lot And the Wayne's World films make fun of product placement And I think this is a natural extension of that Mm. His instinct is to make fun of big corporations Whilst at the same time um, Plugging them (laughs) And using them Using them in his comedy And I think this is a great way to do that The next character This is This one is a bit emotional for me I think Mm. Yeah Yeah this next character is a man called Shep Gordon. Shep Gordon is a former rock and roll manager who now sits on the dais of the Pentaverate, And this is a very significant character because Shep Gordon is a real person who existed in the world. He was a famous rock manager and talent manager. He was Alice Cooper's, um, you know, like second hand man like he's number 2 mm. basically for he- Alice's entire career and he was very good friends with Mike he was kind of a mentor to Mike really like mm. a guru so much so that when he passed away quite I think a few he's still alive ago,
1: by the way isn't he
0: no he passed away that's uh it says he's alive huh. I'm really? looking him up now yeah he's alive but he isn't really that the point the of the isn't that the point of the Pentaveret, that you're only in it Uh, if you're dead? They think you're dead. Yeah, but he's Shep Gordon's alive. So Shep Gordon... The real Shep Gordon never died. That's crazy. But he's dead in the world. (laughs) (laughs) He's dead in the world. He's dead in the world of the Pentabrit. But he's a very, uh... Because in my
1: mind, it did convince me that Shep Gordon
0: was dead. Me too. I was was like, like, well, he dies in this, so I assume he's dead. But, uh, he's one of Mike's closest friends. And Mike directed a film a documentary film that we've talked about on this show called super mensch the legend of shep gordon which you and i both really liked we thought it was really sweet documentary yeah great doco really lovely doco so it was cool to kind of see shep just become a character in this world and just be an impression by mike that's not really like not a comedy impression it's just like a it's just a love letter yeah a little love letter to his friend
1: It's really nice And I think it's also partly because, you know, Mike's like, this is a pentavra of people that are um, nice people. And he's always considered Shep Gordon to be one of the genuinely nice people in the world. And I think it's a nice way to honor him and then also kill him off twice.
0: Yeah, he dies twice. (laughs) (laughs) The final character that Mike plays... Oh, sorry. Well, no. But one of the final characters that Mike plays... Is uh, a guy called Jason Eccleston who only exists in archive footage in the Pentaveret. He's a former, a former Pentaveret member who's like a tech billionaire genius. Um, this character fucking cracked me up. He only gets small moments on screen, but the first big moment of him was him uh, uh, talking about how he masturbates to tarot cards, and mm. that just destroyed me. I loved it. I love this character. It's like a, sur- a surfer bro type. Yeah. Dude, I like a you know like a San Francisco character. I liked him a lot. He was great. Me too.
1: I wish we saw a little bit more of him cuz I think Mike Myers playing that kind of cool 90s style easy guy is you know it's in our wheelhouse. It's what we love from Mike Myers. I always wish there was a little bit more of him.
0: Yeah, me too. I could do more. Well, the good thing about this show, I don't think they're going to do more of it, but they could because it mm. the Pentarobot has existed for hundreds of years, so you could kind of jump to any point in time with them and see where who's on the panel and what kind of world events they're shaping. So honestly, like the world is great for this show. You could you could do more of it. I'm not sure if they will, but you could. Um, there is one final Mike Myers character though. That there is one more show. character? Yes. Very briefly, very briefly, we get mm-hmm. a final character. I don't know how... Am I allowed to spoil it? Am I allowed to say? I think
1: that it is out there because it has gone a bit viral, this scene, and I would imagine it's in our realm of something we must discuss on this podcast.
0: Yeah. And that is... Well, we'll set up the scene first. Ken Scarborough, on his mission to expose the Pentavert, travels to Dubrovnik to meet the sester of Dubrovnik, another Jennifer Saunders character, and he arrives in Dubrovnik in the middle of their traditional ogre festival, um where the local townspeople are offering up, like fucking sacrifices to an ogre um, and we finally we meet the ogre, and the ogre is Shrek mhm it's a guy dressed up as Shrek yeah. Um, But voiced by Mike Myers. And I was gobsmacked. I was yeah. fucking gobsmacked. It was on- such
1: a wild moment.
0: Yeah. I-, I felt starstruck. I felt shocked. I stood up. I had to pace around the living room mm-hmm. a little bit. I thought, wow, we're doing it. We're actually doing it. We're, we're bringing in Mike's other properties into this world. That is exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. And a sweet little nod to how important the character of Shrek was to him and how it kind of kept him afloat for a long time, you know, when he wasn't physically on screen, this character was. The, f- the scene ends with Shrek doing a good deed for Ken and Ken saying, thanks, I love you, Shrek, and then running mm. away. And I thought, fuck, that's beautiful mm. just saying i love you to his character that's so sweet yeah I, it's also so bizarre because i think it's like a kind of
1: meeting point of a lot of different styles of humor in this it's i i this i let's kind of get into a little bit about what this show uh kind of captures as well as just beyond the mic performances which is this is a really stylish good looking comedy I said to you that was my first words because I truly mean them. I think this is the best-looking TV comedy I've seen outside of the works of, like, Danny McBride.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks amazing.
1: It looks phenomenal. Tim Kirkby is the director. He's directed Fleabag and a few other things. But it is really... This is, to me, a leap forward aesthetically for, like, everyone involved. It's so... It's so interestingly shot because it looks very Kubrickian, but then it has like all this symmetry of Kubrickian stuff where we've got also actual gags that are like uh, paying homage to Kubrick's works. And we've always said Mike is the Stanley Kubrick of comedy because he uh-huh. goes out in the wild, disappears for decades at a time, and then comes back with altered works. This is so. Uh, on the nose when it thinks when it talking about stuff like 2001 a Space Odyssey Doctor Strange Love which has always been part of like Mike Myers stable yeah, works yeah. especially Austin Powers but then it is so fun when they have this gag that comes up a lot which is a character that is an entire homage to Eyes Wide Shut. And who's that character played by?
0: Oh, who actually? Who does play
1: that character? He's played by none other than Mike Myers' former comedic duo partner. Of
0: course, you're right. Yes, Neil Malarkey. Neil Malarkey himself. It's Neil Malarkey. The, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: and that's the guy that we know as giving Austin Powers a Swedish penis and larger. Yeah, a Swedish penis and larger in, in
0: Austin peonish. Powers. He's sweetest, sweetest peenish, peenish and larger. Sweetest, peenish. Um, One sweetest, peenish, and larger. They were a a double act for a long time. And then Mike went his own way. But he's always used Neil Malarkey... um, you know, in a nice way. He's in Austin Powers, Mm -hmm. obviously. They co-wrote a lot of things together. They co-wrote the Sprocket screenplay that never came to be. Mm -hmm. It was nice seeing Neil in this because he's funny. In fact, Neil talked about it on... uh, No, sorry. Mike talked about working with Neil on um, this podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Fly on the Wall by Dana Carter and David
1: Spade. I Um, listened to it. It's a great podcast. really funny.
0: Really great podcast. And... uh, Mike talks about Neil very lovingly on that. It was very sweet to see him pop up in this. I liked it.
1: Yeah, it's great. And he basically plays a guy who doesn't speak and only speaks in little notes that he has printed out, uh, like little palm cards. Very eyes wide shut. And the eyes wide shut music always plays behind him. But this show, it only really reminds me of... When it think of like other comedies, it reminds me of it's stuff like, I guess, um, like the Mighty Boosh in tone. But then this is like a visual evolution of the Mighty Boosh, where it's like, the Mighty Boosh is very play built and looks like little sets and stuff. But this is kind of like the Mighty Boosh with a big ass budget behind it. Mighty budget. The mighty budget. (laughs) But I would say the other kind of like stylistic influences that I felt was did you ever see that show Prisoner that's from like the 60s and they did like a Simpsons episode based on it where it's like this all these kind of. These people got abducted, and they're yep. kind of noteworthy spies or people, but they're all the inhabitants of this strange island where yes. there's very different and interesting going ons. So I think it's, I've uh, never seen
0: Prisoner, but I've seen that Simpsons episode. So I read that that was an, a big influence on Mike. He loved that show, mm-hmm. and then I researched it and realized <laughs> I realized that it had been parodied in the Simpsons, but. Yeah, I've never seen it, but it's like kind of like 60s um, mod kind of aesthetic, right? Yeah. Where it's like mod futurism, surrealism. Mm. It's all a bit swing and 60s. It looks cool.
1: A little bit kind of like Alice in Wonderland tea party aesthetic sure. as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got Patrick McGowan. It is Mad such Hatter a cool vibes. show. Hopefully, this kind of brings out some curiosity to that show because I think it is really, it's really good. There was a remake a few years ago with Jim yes. Caviezel yes. and Ian McKellen. Jesus Christ
0: himself! Yes, and he's Father Gandalf. Wonderful stuff! Wonderful stuff. <laughs> well, I, 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 I want to just quickly say a few nice words about the rest mm-hmm. of the cast of this uh, yeah. series of films. Um, Ken Jong appears throughout He's always very funny I like his energy Mm -hmm. and things Uh, Keegan-Michael Key I'm a big fan of We only get a little bit of Keegan But I always enjoy seeing Keegan on screen Always very exciting to me But one person I really want to shout out Is Debbie Mazar Who plays Patty on this show I've always fucking loved Debbie Mazar She's one of my favourite character actors of all time
1: and she's worked with Mike on So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, that's right. She's
0: is she the she's someone's friend on that or something? She's Auntie LaPalia's girlfriend that's and they go right. on a double date. LaPalia's girlfriend, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I've always loved Debbie Mazar. I love her like her presence, her vibe mm. on screen. And it's cool to just see her in a pure comedy. You know, you never really yeah. see her in a pure comedy. Apart from entourage. But I would mm. call that a dramedy. Oh that's, a that's a dramedy because it's
1: dramatizing the life and times of Mark Wahlberg and his funky bunch of friends.
0: Yeah, and I would say that there's some really dramatic stuff that goes on in Entourage that yeah goes beyond the realm of comedy and into the realm of pure heartfelt drama. Yeah, Vinnie literally, gets Johnny to drama. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the original dramedy is the is just Johnny drama.
1: Yeah, because it's a comedy starring Johnny drama.
0: Yeah. That's why it's a dramedy. That's why it's a dramedy, yeah. Because Johnny Drama's in it and it's funny as fuck. It's funny as fucking hell. It's funny as fucking piss, baby. (laughs) Piss? One of the funniest substances known to freaking man, okay? (laughs) Fuck, did you know Debbie Mazar dated Paul Rubens?
1: That doesn't surprise me because Debbie (laughs) Mazar is also Madonna's best friend.
0: What a crazy life she's had. Jesus
1: Christ. She's so cool, man. She rocks. She's one of my fucking faves. Yeah, she's sick. Good God. we got to start a Debbie Mazar podcast. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Do you follow her on Instagram? I don't know. I don't think she's so. She's a great follow. I mean, I guess I follow just a lot of, like... Character actresses and stuff from like this '90s and '80s that I like.
0: Yeah, sure, of course.
1: Like I follow Diane Keaton and shit on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know what I use Instagram for. (laughs) Hey, did you like the Rob Lowe uh, cameos in this? I loved all the cameos. I love Maria Menounos as uh, some sort of captive person that makes TV for the Pentaveret. I love Rob Lowe as that. I love the Rob Lowe cameo at the very end of the series as well. Uh-huh. I think that it utilizes all those tropes that we love of Mike Myers so much. Do you think that this is the perfect way for Mike Myers to reintroduce himself back to the world?
0: I'll say, I'll say this... When I finished this series of films, I got to the very end and I thought this is either a really great reintroduction for Mike to the general public Mm -hmm. or it's a perfect swan song because I think this taps into something really relevant and nice about... uh, about Mike, which is that he knows when to exit the stage. He's never really outstays mm. his welcome. And this the point of this series seems to be that the door needs to be open for new people, for younger people, for diverse people. And Mike could possibly be even saying that about himself, that he mm. is willing to step back and step away and almost let this be a goodbye. hmm You could read into that final sequence with Ken Scarborough kind of letting his soul be absorbed by the Pentavrit supercomputer as a way of saying, I'm leaving, but I'll never be gone. I'm always going to be here with you. I'll be here with the next generation of comedians. I'll influence them. I'll look over them and I'll help out when I can. But it's no longer for me to run things. And uh, I got emotional. I fucking, Mm. I was reading it as that, as I was watching it, and I was getting really sincerely Mm. emotional. That's kind of how I read it too. But
1: let me just put it this way. This might not be the only transmission to come from the Mike Czech Republic in this year. Mm -hmm. Because there is another project marked 2022 featuring Mike Myers on the boil. It is from film auteur David O. Russell, who made The Fighter, Three Kings, Joy, the biographic film starring Jennifer Lawrence as a lady that invented some kind of mop or something. I didn't see the movie. You have? What's it about? I liked it. Yeah, that's what it's It's about. It's about that. Okay, (laughs) then further features such as American Hustle flirting with Disaster. Uh and The Silver Linings Playbook this is a movie called Amsterdam an upcoming American period film directed, produced and written by David O. Russell it was filmed in March 2021 and it features this ensemble cast Christian Bale mainstay of the O. Russell players Margot Robbie John David Washington Rami Malek Chris Rock Zoe Saldana Anya Taylor-Joy, Michael Shannon, Taylor Swift, one of your guys, wow. Timothy Oliphant, one of my wow. guys, Alessandro Nivola, Matthias wow. Schoenaerts, Andrea Ricebra, Mike Myers. Wow. And then
0: with the end credit, Robert De Niro. Ooh, holy smokes. That is a fucking cast. That's exciting. Of actors in a movie. Yeah, of actors in a feature film. I'm excited for that. I love to think of Mike getting back out there working with auteurs. Mm -hmm. Holy smoke. I'm excited again. I'm excited to transmit another episode in the future. And this is exciting because it's a big auteur. It's like
1: when Mike did freaking another, his last big ensemble, which was freaking inglorious barristers ever heard of it yeah it's yeah, a big famous movie I've seen it with big famous actors yeah I've seen it, it. Yeah, I've seen you've it. seen it yeah. it's awesome yeah I've seen and it and we checked it and yeah it's cool we and checked this um, this is the premise that we've got so far three friends a doctor a nurse and an attorney presumably all played by Mike Myers become <laughs> the prime suspects in
0: a murder in the 1930s Sick. I'm in. I'm all in. Mm. Give me more mic. Thank you, David O'Russell, and please apologize to Lily Tomlin for those things that you said. When you sworn at her. You said a word that if it sounds like a it sounds like the word can't being produced by Mishu Ivanov. That's all <laughs> I'm gonna say.
1: It's one of the ruder things you could say to a woman.
0: Especially to a legend of the screen and stage such yes. as Lily Tomlin. Someone can who say I would it, likely follow on Instagram. Say it to Dustin Hoffman. Say it to Dustin yes. Hoffman till the cows come home. But Dustin Hoffman,
1: you- you're a fucking yeah. little cunt. You can say it to him. It's yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah,
0: you go. Hey little cunt. Little cunt Hoffman. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck off. But and to fuck Lily your Tomlin, your family, Dusty, fuck you and fuck your family. All you can say to Lily Tomlin is I respect you, I admire mm-hmm. you, and I think you're one of the greats. And I love you in All of Me. One of my favourite
1: comedy movies from Carl Reiner.
0: And I love you in Eastbound and Down, season two or three. I can't yeah. remember which one you're in, but you're great
1: in it. And can I bring this up to you right now, Cameron? I think it's time we fucking check the Pantavra. We're checking okay.
0: it. we got to check it. Do you think the Pantavret is shagadelic? Yes. I think it's incredibly shagadelic. It reminds me the whole vibe and tone of it reminds me of Doctor Evil's lair in the Austin yes. Powers film. Yes, yes. It's the kind of thing that if yes. if Doctor Evil was in it, I'd be like, I don't even know what I would do. I'd freak the fuck out. I would it, be. But it, but it would totally make
1: hallelujah. sense. Hallelujah!
0: I'd say yeah. hallelujah. The doctor is in. I'd say the doctor is in session. An apple a day actually keeps the doctor interested in coming over and checking in on you because he loves apples (laughs) (laughs) apples baby (laughs) so how you like them apples goodwill and then I, as doctor will say i like them i pay one million dollars for apples (laughs) i think it's awesome would you like to check this this series of films alexi I think it is fucking shagadelic, babe.
1: I really, really loved it. And I cannot wait to keep on going back to it. And I hope they don't make more. I hope that this stays alone as
0: one series of six films. I hope so, too. And I guess I just want to say as well, to everyone on Rotten Tomatoes who's given this bad review, like a lot Mm -hmm. of critics have given shitty reviews to this. And, and kind they're of, fucking bums. I think they're fucking idiots. Like, anyone who yep. reviews a goofball comedy like this saying, mm-hmm. it's a bit goofy and silly, yeah, no shit. This is Mike Myers. The guy yeah. that made Austin Powers has made more shit and is pretty fucking similar to Austin Powers. Exactly. It, it rules, it's funny, as mm-hmm. it has fuck, and yep. you suck asses if you don't like the pentavirate. <laughs> You suck a giant
1: asshole, okay? It's, it, to me, it's insane to just give it... Like, you know, we're the guys with two pretty huge dinguses when it comes to white yeah. wise PhDs. Yeah. And this is, to me, the most effective way to bring back and... To bring back and re-energize comedic tones that we've not seen in silly goofball cinema and TV for a long time. The only other thing that stands up like this is the movie Barb and Star go to Vista yeah. Del Mar from Kristen Wiig and Amy Mumolo.
0: Possibly which I think the is- Wet Hot American Summer Series on Netflix as mm-hmm. well. Those, that's we love the, the Summer ballpark. Series. We
1: love all that shit. And this is the this is it. And I feel like this is a tone of comedy that I miss so much. And not yeah. only do I think it's Shagadelic, it made me fucking horny. It made me horny and excited about comedy again. And do you know how hard that is to feel excited about comedy?
0: How hard. Not was that it? hard.
1: It's professionally. But yeah. I was I had a hard dingus a lot of time watching this show. And dare I say it, I think Mike's horny in this as
0: well. I think Mike's still fucking horny. I, I think Horny's Mike's horny I think order. I'm horny I think you're horny I think there's going to be a lot of babies born in the Mike yes. Republic in the wake of this coming out there's going to be the baby boom the pentamerate mm-hmm. boom in about February
1: next year there's going to be yeah. a boom of Mike's tykes out there in the world and they're all going to be
0: based on different characters played by Mike Myers I can't wait to see all of those little bobs grow up to be funny fuckers in their own right and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see Mike continue to be funny with David O. Russell and other motherfuckers in that movie. Yeah. That I can't remember the name of that's coming out, but we'll talk about it. It's called
1: Amsterdam. It's
0: called Amsterdam. It's called Amsterdam. I wouldn't mind going to Amsterdam and eating a little space brownie or cookie or something. Well,
1: it is legal, so you can fly them here instead. That's awesome. That's awesome. We've checked that it's freaking shagadelic and critics need to fuck up and fucking kill
0: themselves. <laughs> critics need to fucking kill themselves.
1: If you criticize the, <laughs> if you criticize the pedabra as negative, yeah. you
0: need to fucking kill yourself. You need to freaking end your life, dipshit. Yeah. I'm okay? gonna fucking send all my friends to be mean to you so you fucking die. <laughs> Don't be mean to Mike. He's been through a lot. Don't be because, fucking like, mean to him. He's awesome. He's I'm, funny and he's cool. So we'll put out another one of these episodes when the Amsterdam flick comes out. But in the meantime, to everyone out there in the Mike Czech Republic, keep on mm-hmm. shagging. Keep on shagging. Yes. And send us
1: gong. Send me and Cam DMs of gong the next time you get laid. Just the word gong and we'll be proud of you. We'll know that you're blessed with the power of Mike in that moment where you exploded with pleasure from fucking...
0: And if you're not getting laid out there and you just want to touch your own monkey, that's fine too. You can still send us a message that just says... No, don't. Cheeky monkey. (laughs) Every time I don't want to hear the... I
1: don't want to get cheeky monkey messages. Send them exclusively to Cam.
0: I'm happy to get cheeky monkey messages, and that applies to men, women, or other. You can do whatever you want. Send me any time you squirt. Anytime you squirt, I want to hear. No, no,
1: no. I don't want that, but only Cameron. I only want to hear about unprotected sex that people are (laughs) having. Condoms do not count. No, it doesn't count as sex if there's a condom. It's got to be <laughs> skin-to-skin contact. Um, this has been so much fun to take a trip back down to the Mike Jock Republic with you, Cam. I don't think it'll be the last time. We will be coming here every now and then. But weekly, we, pro- we do broadcast from Total Reboot where we talk about freaking movies. Every uh-huh. week, we're talking about heist movies. We do series where we look at different kind of topics in cinema and explore films around them. It's so much fun doing that podcast. That's weekly. And every now and then, we'll chuck up some new release reviews. So if you want to hear us talking about some new movies as well, that is in there. In the meantime, we're also working on a big doco series that is in the style of Finding...
0: Yes, it's a sequel of sorts, a uh, sister film to Finding Mm -hmm. Drago and Finding Desperado. It's a very big project for us. It's huge. Mm -hmm. We hope you guys love it, and we're fucking flat out making it right now. So that's why it took a little while for us to get back in through customs at Mike Czech Republic. Exactly. We We had to declare.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we had to declare a lot of docker gear, not just our genius, much like. I would say Oscar Wilde would have to do if he were to go through customs.
0: I mean, I yeah, I if I had to imagine, yeah, I'd imagine that's something funny that he would say, and it would be piss funny if he said.
1: And it would be a great gag to end the entire podcast on. So that's what we've done. (laughs) 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 So thanks for joining us in the Mike Truck Republic. It's great to be back. We love you, Mike Myers, and I dare say this. Blessed be the Pentavra, blessed, blessed, blessed be Mike, and blessed be you, Cameron. Blessed be you, Alexi. And blessed be to all of the pro- proletariat, citizens, and denizens of the Mike Czech Republic. We love you very much, and don't forget to fuck. <laughs> all right.